in b2b the the sales cycle is that much longer you're influencing those deals um how do you attribute marketing has contributed to that particular revenue right and because of that everything that you do needs to be bold b2b has the potential to be electrifying but the industry is paralyzed by a culture of conservatism scared stiff in a straitjacket of rational ideas it's time for change it's time to make b2b marketing visceral join us as we uncover and explore the truth with leading b2b marketers this is b2b marketing the provocative truth Hello and welcome to B2B Marketing, The Provocative Truth, the Christmas edition. And today I am joined by two of our favourite guests that we have had over the past year. And that is Barney O'Kelly, who is Digital Marketing Director at Alex Partners. And Kamal Thandani um, is the Marketing Campaigns Director at ServiceNow. Now, ordinarily, we go one-on-one with a marketer and we discuss a specific provocative truth. As it's the Christmas edition, we're going to do things a little bit differently. In very basic sense, we're going to take a look back at 2022 and we're going to take a look forward at 2023. But as we are B2B marketing the provocative truth, we're going to try and look at what has really stood out to us. What has been provocative? What are those provocative truths from 22 and what provocatively are we expecting to see within 23? Uh, if we're to look back at 2022 over in, in general, I think we could fair to say that we started with a huge amount of optimism generally. We'd come out of the pandemic, I think, as a society, but certainly as marketers, we were excited by that potential. Whether that's the opportunity of budgets suddenly sort of like unfreezing and us doing some more exciting stuff, or just that joy, of, and I say joy probably uh, generously, that joy of going to events and getting out and, and meeting people. But as the year has developed, unfortunately, some of that optimism has probably fallen by the wayside for events that we all know very, very, very well. But what we're going to talk about today is what we have learned from a marketing perspective. Now, I'm going to start off with a provocative truth, and then I'm going to ask for you guys to give me your provocative truths. Um, earlier this year, um, we did some research into B2B marketing. No surprises there. Um, and we found out a lot of things about how B2B decision makers think of B2B marketing at the moment. What are the priorities for B2B marketers and specifically how B2B can become a more exhilarating, electrifying, more visceral type experience. But one thing really, really stood out to us. And this was the question about how B2B marketers, sorry, B2B decision makers rather, would describe B2B marketing. And what we found is that 82% of business decision makers described B2B marketing as boring, expected, repetitive. You know, that's pretty lacerating sort of descriptions of the industry. But then when you put it into the context, so we actually asked that exact same question back in um, 2017, and 71% of people said that. The question is, do you think that we've gone backwards as an overall industry? Or do you think it's more of a reflection that the expectations for what BT marketing are, are now higher? Come on, coming to you first, what sort of stands out for you? I think, um, I mean, I'm just and looking at the years that you did the survey, right? 2017, there was no pandemic. People could meet face to face. In the last two years, what's primarily happened with the pandemic is everything went virtual. You were not meeting with people. Um, one of the key tactical stuff in B2B marketing, which works very well, is your face-to-face -face events. And if you take that out, 
you're basically asking people to you know do a lot of zoom stuff it's it's everything goes digital that and you know what does that really mean what we've seen this year is which is a very interesting statistics is when we started events this year typically in the past our show rate would be about 50% this year in most of the events that we've done it's gone up to 75% and that could have been you know one of it depends on again when you did the research mm. i suspect is it's the legacy pandemic stuff which is adding to that um you know people were indoors they they could it was limited stuff that you could uh, end up doing and you know that that's probably one of the biggest drivers of maybe b2b marketers or decision makers saying that things are boring okay so you think it is circumstantial i i would suspect of- because we are doing some interesting things from a b2b um, and i have seen b2b marketing uh progress in terms of humanizing the b2b telling compelling stories um you know and i'm happy to give you some examples later on but really telling those stories which you and i as a consumer can also relate to and boy from your perspective do you think it's circumstantial or do you think it's a more sort of systemic underlying problem with b2b marketing Well, B2B marketing is a bit boring <laughs> on the whole. I mean, look, and I think I'm really interested to hear your examples, Kamal, about, you know, the stories and yeah. and you know from previous conversations we've had about the introduction of evocative ideas and emotional constructs which we see much more in B2B and B2C, sorry. Mm. Um possibly over overplayed in some cases. Um but I also think in the period the world's just got a bit more exciting like whilst being stuck on zoom in the pandemic was tedious after a mm. while as a as a event that was affecting the whole world that's a once in it well it used to be a once in a generation thing who knows right like it just felt there was turmoil and chaos and that was quite exciting the news agenda was quite exciting and all this kind of stuff so a ton of fairly beige thought leadership piling in on top of that it doesn't really rev your engine in quite the same way so there's a need to be heard that we haven't quite grasped in the same way and whether it's provocative or evocative we're just not seeing enough of it. Yeah. Certainly not in in professional services in my view. Right. So I think it's interesting that both of you and I I mean I used the word circumstantial there and I think that you sort of are talking almost about that rel- relativity, you know, relative to what else is going on in the world that isn't that same excitement. So but do you think if hypothetically we'd removed the pandemic from this that had been erased from that that whole sort of unpleasant experience despite you know the the ups and downs which it probably brought from a news agenda perspective do you think that b2b marketing is boring objectively and by definition or is it just purely in contrast to what's been going or as a product of what's been going on at the moment so so and and the perception of b2b marketing is boring right mm. and and the reason um you know and and i've seen this um you know if you if you ask a graduate you want to work with the consumer brand because it's perceived as hey i'm going to create those advertisements and you know go for the sh- for shoots and stuff or you want to work with the b2b brand where you're selling to another company they would probably choose the former rather than the latter but what they don't realize and what has really changed is the way we are marketing to the other person is it's actually a human being at the other side mm-hmm. i'm marketing to an, an individual to help him or her solve their problems and how do i get create and and the challenge there is a lot more difficult is how do i get creative to communicate in a language which you from a corporate perspective would you know would would empathize and would understand um uh you know what we're trying to communicate at the end of the day how do i how do i tell you i'm going to solve your pain point one 
but how do i also make my brand resonate with you mm-hmm. um so just giving you an example um we launched the the world works with service now movement this year um and it was it was basically about humanizing the brand in the past we've done campaigns and you know if you go and see some of the campaigns it was we we ran a chief holiday officer uh video with santa claus in it now i don't think you've ever seen a b2b brand doing that but this year we humanized it and brought real stories to life so one of the stories which is currently running um on the wired uh, network is uh, there's this dutch artist called dan rosgaard where he talks about how he uses technology uh, to service his creativity so he's 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 a he's a creative guy and he says that if uh, you know in most cases technology doesn't exist you need to create it and he ran this campaign uh, somewhere in netherlands early this year and this is one of the stories that we brought to life you know using our technology per se he spoke about how in netherlands um you know uh, he he ran this this project with unesco and the netherlands government he spoke about light uh, pollution and says you know with light pollution you can't see the stars now for a couple for a couple of hours in the month of september they worked towards switching off all the lights in a particular city so that the community could come together under the stars and that was one of the stories we told mm. and then brought in you know to be able to do that you need um, you don't need to know coding skills you don't need to know um, you know development skills there are platforms which are available which help you do that and that's one of the platforms that we offer per se so that's how we brought that to life through a more creative means now that story is something that i think everybody in this room perhaps you know would resonate with whereas if i had to tell you oh you know i we, we sell this particular workflow solutions which solves your problem that's a lot more <laughs> boring per se so that's the challenge that b2b marketers need to start thinking of how do i bring in that element of creativity in the stories that i tell and do we think and you know i'll come i'll come to you bonnie do, do you think that 2022 was the year where the penny dropped on that um or are we still below 50% if you like of the industry understanding the importance of humanity we'll get on to the actual challenge of trying to work out how to do it in a minute but in terms of that real understanding and realization so kamal kamal story is really interesting because it is something that you're interested in you yeah. want to know more right which is which is the kind of crux of a good story like can can you grab my attention quickly mm. um and it highlights a really important difference between certain aspects of b2b marketing you know as a technology company you can talk about the enabling characteristics mm. of what your technology does and where it works really really well is when you take a bit of technology and you apply it to something intriguing and different and then then it starts to open up this idea of sort of benefits not features and all of this kind of stuff which is more compelling i work in professional services so what our product is people yeah and again kamal said something really interesting about you're selling to a human being the selling part of the conversation happens largely behind closed doors and i don't think in many cases that is that boring usually because if you take what alex partners does it's very situational it's driven by an organization needing the help of our people so for them it's quite exciting not necessarily always in all the best ways possible mm. and what they want is somebody who can tell them stories about how they've seen this situation before how they've dealt with it you know and and a lot of that you can't put out into the public domain so i think in more intimate conversations there are some really exciting and compelling stories being mm. told where we struggle in marketing is is giving voice to that in the more of the public domain and this is where i struggle sometimes with the term provocative we're an mm. advisory business lots of people don't want provocative advisors yes. they want good advisors <laughs> they want experts they want results someone who's very opinionated 
you've got to run the risk because you're going to alienate 50% of the people mm. who hear what you have to say because they won't agree with you. That, and that, there's, that can work and, and it can not work in various different ways. But I think it's, it's translating those really compelling stories that are happening on a one-to-one -one basis or a, you know, two-to-two mm. or you know, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a room um, and taking that into the public domain in a way that is not portraying confidence, doesn't make you look indiscreet, but still you capture the essence, the human component of what happened, not, you know, we restructured this business or we digitally transformed this business. That's actually really boring. Yeah. But when we made this business better, or we saved this business, we saved this community, we saved these jobs, that's compelling. And that's, that's the conversion and, bit we and, struggle with. And Barney, to your point, I think one of the key things is the, the other aspect where B2B marketing is moving towards is the hyper-personalization, right? The ABMs, mm. the industry conversations, which is where you can bring in those stories to life for that one customer and it's still confidential and it's not in yeah. the public domain, right? Mm. So so there are means and ways of, of bringing it to life without, you know, doing an yeah. advertisement or... Um, in the, and I know technology, we, we do have that benefit to say, hey, we've improved certain life per se, but I've worked on technology, which is equally boring in the past. <laughs> uh, you know, a cloud infrastructure, you're hosting your solutions on it. How do you, how do you market something like that? Which is, it's, it's a piece of hardware, which mm. people don't, you know, it, it's at the back end, but people, people like the, the front end part of it, the solution that the other person is using to solve um, his or her problem, but that solution rests on something. But you still have to make that interesting. And how do you do it? How do you still tell those stories um, to make it compelling for the other person to, to want to listen to you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, I think that and it's, it's, it's a really nice and it's often an overlooked part of marketing is that um, part that happens when you as whether it's part of your sales team or whoever has that one on one connection and can tell that story and bring that to life. But as I think we have also identified, there does need to be that activity beforehand, which starts to entice people, starts to engage people into sort of that narrative. Now, if we're to look within B2C, um, yes, sometimes tangible products, it's easy to create a story around that. Everyone gets it. But also there are some more abstract products or abstract services that might exist within a B2C environment. And that's where, you know, the language of metaphor become so important in terms of communicating an idea. Do you think that there's one, I suppose, the understanding of how metaphor can be used within B2B marketing? And secondly, do you think that there are the, the, the capabilities and the mindsets within B2B marketing to properly explore how metaphor can be used to tell otherwise quite abstract, quite esoteric or technical stories? I think where you can, and, and I've I've had some success with this in the past. I think where you can less metaphor but equate to something that's mm. easier to understand. You know, the classic example that of that is an area the size of Wales type stuff. Yes. You know, those those factoids. And I remember when I worked in the uh, defence and aerospace industry, we used to have like a, just a sheet of A4. It's one of the greatest things we ever produced. I still remember it now. And it just had loads of factoids. Like, did you know that the reactor on an astute class submarine can power the whole of Southampton? Or you can fit four elephants on either wing of an A380 Airbus? You yeah. know, these are things that are still in my head like 15 years later so I think it's being able to take things and relate them to situations that people are more familiar with because you know and you end up in a bit of a sort of echo chamber in b2b a lot of the time you know we spend a lot of time contrasting ourselves with what competitors are up to and going oh everybody knows who they are 
My wife's never heard of half the people that I worry about what they're doing half the time. And we've been together a long time. She's still got no idea what I do for a living. Um, but I, I think being able just to make it something that resonates. And, and I think in, in B2B marketing, maybe more so in professional services, there's quite a lot of self-regard institution to institution. So you run the risk of getting lost in your own brilliance and, and typically they are filled with very brilliant people so you can understand why that happens or trying to communicate through things like the structure of your business mm. or the language that you use internally and, and right from the get-go no wonder it's boring because it's impenetrable mm. so you're, you're not starting from a position of strength like being really straightforward really simple relaying complex ideas in ways that are really really accessible mm. you know the reading age of the ft i think is 12. Einstein talked about really complex ideas using clocks and trains and all of this kind mm. of stuff. People can get their head around it. They won't, won't fully understand it, but they can at least relate to it. Is that a common sort of challenge that you've experienced? I mean, firstly, I, f I fully agree in terms of, you know, whether we talk about language of metaphor, whether we talk about analogy, whether we talk about simile, you know, that idea of making it relatable, understanding what your audience would perceive as important and then putting it into their language. But I also do recognize that challenge you've described when people understand something intimately and, a and connected to a technology or connected to a service, they want to talk about it in esoteric technical terms. And shifting that is difficult. Is that an experience that you can relate so it, to? It, yes. Uh, I think when, when I started in the technology industry, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. You would have, you know, so you had interesting fact sheets. We would have a fact sheet, which if you ask me to even remember it, I'm sorry, <laughs> I can't. Right? It was a fact sheet of products, features, and functionalities. Yes. Do we have that today? Yes, we still do. But what the, the technology and the software industry is moving towards is more customer stories. And mm. how do you tell that customer stories in a manner which is more relatable? Mm. Um, another example of a customer story, which is again, it's on our website is during the pandemic, we partnered with um, NHS Scotland to roll out a vaccine management solution so that, you know, uh, the elderly, et cetera, could get vaccinated could get vaccinated in about six weeks time yep. from the time the solution. Now that is something that everybody in this room would relate to, right? Because it's something that affected mm. all our lives. Whereas if, again, if I tell a boring story of, oh, you know, this particular solution did A, B, C, um, you know, you could enter some data here, mm. you're not really going to care about it. And that is the trend that is changing and something that all B2B marketers, irrespective of the industry, needs to look at as well. The, the medical, um, you know, the medical devices industry. It's it's a great example where they can also bring these stories to life of how did a particular suture help, you know, did it through a complicated surgery and, and help somebody's life. Now, those are, those are stories which all of us would relate mm. to. Mm. So it's about bringing those aspects to life. And that, that trend is something that's been around for a while. And you know, we've seen companies picking up on that more and more as we go along. I, I, I mean, and we, but and we did not to say that we didn't have boring stories. <laughs> Trust me, we had very boring stories um, in the past. I also think it's, it's you raise an important point there, and I think it, it's worth remembering. Not everybody wants brilliant stories. Mm. Some people want the fact sheet. Some, you know, there, there is an audience out there for the technical detail, for, for the, this is how this works, this is how, this is what it does. And I think sometimes in marketing, notwithstanding what your research tells us, we've got to be careful that we're not amusing ourselves. Like a lot of the time we are not necessarily, in B2B in particular, we're not always mentally in step with the people that we're trying to communicate with. Mm. You know, there, there are particular sets of needs and requirements on the yeah. other side of the conversation who need to hear some reassuring right. information. Mm -hmm. They need to know how things work. 
Um, and, and, and telling too many stories gets in the way of that. There is, a, there is a really functional aspect to marketing that we can't forget, which is to help an organization sell shit, right? Mm. And if we forget that, then we're not doing our jobs properly. But I would beg to differ in, in that. So I agree with you in one aspect, but I would say that some of those, the first part is how do you get the other person interested in you, which is where those stories come mm. in. The next part is further down the funnel when you're taking them, that's when they want to know the specs, the features, functionalities, and that's where yeah. the data sheet comes into the picture. But if we start with the data sheet, we'd probably... Oh, no, yeah. I, I completely agree. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't start there, but I completely agree, yeah. But <laughs> it's still it first. It, it, is, it is, it is, it is. advocating, <laughs> next time you take a full-page display in a reputable newspaper, put your text spec up there. Yeah, why not? <laughs> why not? It's got to be better than some of the stuff we see. <laughs> <laughs> but do you, do you think that the balance is shifting? Because, look, I do take on board, of course, what you say, that there are a variety of different needs, but is the direction of travel potentially for from a B2B decision-maker perspective, that they do want something which is a little bit more thought-provoking. They want to be challenged a, a, a little bit more than potentially has historically been the case. I honestly don't know the answer to that. And I think it, 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 it was, it's interesting to, to sort of dissect what they mean by boring. Mm. Is it that they just see a lot of the same sort of stuff from lots of the same sort of organisations, whether it's in formal format, mm. format or content? You know, Everybody talks about digital transformation. Everybody's talking about mm. hybrid work. It's, it's you know, remove logo. Everybody's largely saying the same things. And then on the flip side of that, what they're consuming through the media of choice is better analysis, more opinion, mm. points of view that, that businesses struggle to come up with. They, they really do. Like We're never going to be as good as, a, as the Financial Times and some of the stuff that we do. I remember many years ago, I, I worked with somebody and we were contemplating doing a kind of a corporate magazine. And he just turned around a meeting and said, I don't know why we just don't buy all our clients a subscription to The Economist and send it to them with a note saying we can't do better than this. <laughs> and there's some truth in that. I mean, there right? is truth. Right. Right. And, and I think there is, <laughs> there is a whole industry that sprung up um, as journalists have moved from journalism into becoming content mm. marketers that has led to a, an abundance of stuff. And and if you're a, 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 the more senior you are, the more of it I think you probably receive. Yeah. It's a bit of a deluge. Mm. So not only is it boring, it's also overwhelming. And being overwhelmingly boring is possibly the worst way to be boring. Would you, would you say that's the case because of the lack of integrated data for B2B marketers to leverage on? And, I, and, and you know, drive that trend because I, I, I think one of the biggest challenges that I've seen across, um, you know, across multiple organizations and people that I talk to is that integrated data, which helps you take that decision. And I was reading this quote uh, the other day that um, Sherlock Holmes, you know, the, the, the world fame, the UK's... Famous. Uh, He's been downgraded from world fiction, famous to UK one famous. of London's better detectives. One of, detectives. Yes. <laughs> one of London's better detectives. Um, he, uh, so there was a quote um, uh, attributed to him which says that um, it's, a, it's a capital mistake to take a decision without data. And that is something which is so true. I mean, I because otherwise it's just an opinion. It's my opinion, it's your opinion, unless the data gives us a direction. And I've seen that a lot. Um, you know, even in the technology industry, that we struggle to get good data to be able to give us the right direction in terms of where we move. 
So I, I I do think there's some truth in that. I don't. I wouldn't go quite as far as uh, Baker Street's famous detective. I mean, he, but he was able he to solve all his cases after all. But, yeah. but he still managed to solve all his cases. But I do I do think you're absolutely right in terms of informing what is of interest to somebody in the first place. Mm. If that's where you're coming from, like you know that is that is a gap in lots of organisations, yeah. arsenals, and then also. Um, what's interesting to us might not be interesting to them as well. Yeah. So one of the acid tests, I think, is if somebody's asking you to do something, it's like, would you read this? Like, of course you read it because you have to, because mm. you've asked for it to be produced, and you've but you've read it from a different perspective than if this came across your desk, would you take the time to read it? And overwhelmingly, I think the answer is no in lots of cases. Like mm. it, we talked last time we spoke about um, thought leadership, an overused and incorrectly mm. applied term almost universally. But there are some examples of it that are really powerful. And they have their critics, but if you take something like Edelman's um, Trust, Trust Barometer, yeah. you know, it has its it has its critics. But they have established that as a staple that lots of people refer to. Lots of people actually wait for that to be published. It informs what a lot of people do. So that for me they've kind of hit the nail on the head. But there, there are very few examples of organisations who've got that right. And and you would expect or hope a PR agency would nail it. But by and large, a lot of the stuff that you see washing around is not that insightful and not that original and not that interesting. Yeah, and I think it, it, it's around that sort of the it's the same as everything else it's not that interesting which i think is absolutely key now i, I, I apologize in advance of this because i'm now aware that i'm going down a data rabbit hole um but as we've just listened to sherlock holmes you know perhaps this is this is this is why <laughs> he solved all his cases Indeed, let me just solved say all his cases so solve this riddle for me um in addition to you know finding out about the, the you know their perception in terms of being boring we we did also ask them what they wanted to see you know what how they wanted be to be marketing to to evolve and again we had a benchmark question for 2017 which is quite interesting so in, in 2017 um 64% of the, um, b2b decision makers said that they would prefer b2b marketers to take a bold contrarian or provocative approach i mean should be in um, speech marks there because that's the sort of the verbatim if you like so that was 64% in 2017 and then that's increased to 88% when we asked people in 2022 so in light of the conversation that we've just had there what would be your interpretation of what a bold contrarian approach might look like within the context of B2B marketing? I think there's probably some frustration with equivocation. Yeah. You know, it could be this, it could be that. Yeah. Uh, either way, there'll be winners or losers. And I've been very guilty of that as a closing point to the point of banality. <laughs> um, but um, I, think, I think I would say that as being definitive you know, like the essence of thought leadership, if we can indulge that term for a moment, is giving away a significant part of mm. the answer to the problem that somebody is facing. And I think they don't get enough of that. Where you see it and it works really, really well, it's something that you can do something with or it, it wants you to talk to the person who has given you this point of view. Mm. We've got some really interesting examples where we've done that and we've had people get in contact and go, I've seen something somebody's written, never met them in your organisation, but you know them. I really want to talk to this yeah. person because they've literally just dissected the very problem we're mm. facing. Now, they haven't told me how to do it, but they've given me a sense that they very much know how to do it. That, for me, is what I think they mean by that. I, I, I don't know how honestly how well they'd respond to stuff that was really contrarian really provocative and really out on the mm. edge of things some might love it 
a lot of people would probably I think it's, it's, a, it's what you're saying. It's, it's having that. They're providing an informed and credible point of view. And I think probably where the sort of the contrarian aspect comes in is that you're not saying just what everybody else has said. You're offering something additive, if you like, to the discussion. You're taking a position. In, yeah, exactly, which I think is important. Um, any sort of f final sort of reflections on you, from you in relation to that sort of the idea that there's an appetite for um, a more bold contrarian approach? I, I think that will always be there. I don't see that going yeah. away irrespective of, you know, the recession, etc. Because one of the challenges, if you are, if you ask me in B2B marketing is, is really showing results. And when I say results, it's easy to, in B2C, I've sold X amount of, um, you know, soaps or cars or whatever. Yeah. In B2B, the, the sales cycle is that much longer. You're influencing those deals. Um, how do you attribute marketing has contributed to that particular revenue, right? And because of that, everything that you do needs to be bold. We need to get to a stage where I can say, hey, you know, I have actually contributed 15% to the overall revenue. Mm. And that sort of a bold statement is definitely going to evolve till we get to that stage, till we've got the right data sets, the right systems processes to be able to help us track that. You know, we will always um, keep hearing this feedback of marketing needs to be more bold because... And I don't know if that's the case in the professional no, services. I, where I'm it, with you 100%. Where, you know, you can say, hey, we contribute X percent of revenue. I was able to do it in my previous organization. At the moment, we're not because we don't have the right systems and technology. So, so we're in very much the same boat, but I couldn't agree with you more. And, and anybody who knows me knows I'm not obsessive about data. And to the extent, actually, that I find a significant amount of measurement in, in marketing and B2B boring. <laughs> it, it's either input focused, we're very busy, it's engagement, lots of people looked at it. It's that commercial impact of what we do. Yeah. So I don't think I don't think the people we work for and with would care if marketing was boring, if it was effective, mm. but we can't prove, we can't to Kamal's point, the effectiveness of it. So then they just take it at face value, in which case, your point about opinion, I find this boring. You know, I do a lot of work in the digital space. I've done a lot of work in the brand space. Anything that starts with I don't like, I automatically discount as, as credible feedback. You know, this is ineffective because this won't work because that's much more interesting because it's about trying to achieve an outcome. And I think you're absolutely right. I would love it. And it's something we're working towards right now to be able to prove that the work that we do over here has a direct thread through to the commercial successes of the business I work through, then I don't care if we're the most boring organization in the world. And, no, and, and to that point, right, where it's an opinion, if you, if you ask a sales guy, he would say, I want to be at this event because he's had 15 conversations with those customers. But when, if you look at the results from a marketing perspective at that particular event, it could have been probably, you know, 1% conversion from those leads to opportunity. In our point of view, it didn't really work. In the sales point of view, he had 15 conversations, which is great. And he wants to do it again next year. Yeah. And that's the, the disparate is because we, you know, perhaps those those leads will convert in two years or three years later, but not at the immediate, there's no immediate impact on it. But by and being it's, it's at the event the and broadcasting your involvement in the event and being <laughs> present and branded at the event, all of which are marketing, you've created the environment for him to generate those Agreed. 15 leads. And that's where the so, disconnect so he's had happens. 15, exactly. He's yeah. had those 15 yeah. conversations, which is not converted into opportunities, perhaps, yeah. right? And and that's the thing that, you know, for us, we have to say, okay, what's the pipeline that we've generated? But that 
it, it hasn't driven ROI for us. So next year, I don't want to be a part of it. But sales, but I spoke to 15 customers. Yeah. And that's that's the disc and that's the, the challenge with data, which does not allow B2B marketers sometimes to be bold enough. Yeah. Well, and that's where that's where I, I part company with, with measurement in marketing. <laughs> like some stuff we should just do because instinctively and evidentially it's the right thing to do. Like, you know, being visible to people, people having an understanding of what your organization does has merit. And it's very, very hard to measure. You know, the most effective form, we, I'm sure we have, this is how limited my example set is. I think we, I used this last time. Um, the most effective form of advertising is radio advertising. How the hell do you measure the impact of radio <laughs> advertising? But it works. People still do it. And, and, and when I've used that example to people, everyone's like, yeah, that's true. I, I, I did this because of that. But you, but you can't measure it. Mm. I think that's a Rory Sutherlandism, so I better attribute that. Um, but I think that... Um, I think that's part of it. So I, so that's that, and and then what you've got is is to the victor the spoils kind of thing. So the sales guys' fifteen meetings are his fifteen meetings. They would have happened irrespective of exactly. whether you'd built a stand, branded yes. things, done some sponsorship, created content, all of this kind of stuff. The reality is they wouldn't. You know, our job in marketing, I think, is to create the environment and the opportunities mm. for the business to win work. So, so in in for us, we you know we use the terminology brand to demand. Mm. So. What I mean, what I'm hearing from you, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is is more the branding aspect where you're creating the environment. The aspect which is really missing is how do we measure the demand from those marketing pieces, yeah. which in the B2C world, it's far easier, which is not really the case because we don't have those right. So I, I again, no, no, you're absolutely right. And I do agree with you. I, I get a lot of encouraging anecdote. Which is which, we, are, we always get which, that as which, well. Which when the anecdote doesn't work for me, I'm very quick to dismiss it. When it does, I'm very very quick to jump on it. But you know, I've had examples going. Oh, that article I put out there. I had I had somebody from Organization X get in contact with me and want to have a chat about it. It's, it's, and they say this stuff like it's revelatory, and you sit there and go, Yeah, yeah that's why we do this stuff. <laughs> um, you know, someone said to me the other day, oh, my clients keep telling me they feel like they know who I am because of what I do. You know on social media it's like that's the idea right for us that that brand piece is about not having to explain why you're there when you're in the room they understand the organization they understand you as a expert and a source of a solution to them so you you don't have to justify being in the meeting mm. what you can do is get in the meeting listen to the client and come back with something thoughtful so that's that i mean that's kind of how i try and reconcile what I do with the absence of the data that, that is really, really, really important. But I still think even with the right systems, we won't have a complete data model. And I'm not sure I want one. I, I mean, I think that this could potentially be a fascinating spin-off series <laughs> of anecdotes versus hard numbers. Everything Barney yeah. knows about data is a 10-second <laughs> podcast. <laughs> and hey, maybe this will come up as a, a provocative truth that you guys give me in a minute. But just to quickly close out um, the whole sort of boring and the future is bold, yes or no answers. Do you think that 2023 we are going to see a bolder, braver form of B2B marketing, both behaviorally and also in the work we do? I would say yes. We've got a yes. That's a pretty definitive yes. Qualified yes or a yes? Uh, oh, God, I want to say yes, but I just can't. <laughs> um, I would like to see that happen. 
Okay. Is that that's about as reserved as I, I can I be know. on the topic? Very, very. And it wasn't a one word Very, answer. very on on the fence. You equivocated. That's what well, you I, did. I on think. It, so. Can I expand on my non-one word oh, answer? Sorry. Um, <laughs> because of the, the the challenges that Kamal outlined when it comes to data improving the impact of what we had, when times are tough, the classic thing is to start focusing on stuff that you can't prove the value of and there are some mm. things that you have to pay for in business and there are some things that you can make choices around and unfortunately marketing often falls into that latter category that then means you really have to double down on doing things that you've already committed to do or in mm. some cases things you've always done irrespective of their their value and that gives me pause now you know i i'm fortunate that i work in a place that doesn't work in that way but it happens across the board, and you see it happen too often, and that—that's what concerns me. Uh, and uh, yeah, and I, I share your concern, and I think that there is a real danger of being conservative in a quite a difficult situation that we might find ourselves in from a recession perspective. And actually, if we look back over history, it's those brands that actually have, you know, upheld their spending, taken those risks that emerge from recession in a much much stronger Agreed. position. So I—I I think it's probably good counsel that you've given there. Doesn't happen often. I'm no. glad it's being recorded. <laughs> B2B Marketing, The Provocative Truth is brought to you by Allen Agency. To find out more, head to allen-agency.com. You can stream B2B Marketing, The Provocative Truth on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else great podcasts are found. And don't forget to click subscribe to ensure you don't miss out on any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Allen, thanks for listening.